0: Welcome to Let's Admit It, a college admissions podcast hosted by the Boise Bible College Admissions Department. Here, we aim to answer the spoken and unspoken questions of high school students and parents who are looking to learn more about a Christian college experience. You can learn more about Boise Bible College at www.boisebible.edu. Thank you for listening. Hello and welcome back. I am Michael Gritten. This is the Let's Admit it podcast. Um, uh, for those of you guys who are joining us for the first time, I'll bring you up to speed. Um, this summer we are making our way um, alongside the Boise Bible College blog. Um, we're covering topics at the same time, so this is kind of an audio format um, that is complementing and uh, walking hand in hand with the text format over at the blog. So Um, Today, we've got kind of an interesting subject. Um, We are gonna be discussing um, how to build community from a non-traditional student's perspective. So, um, just to to open this conversation, let's talk a little bit about what exactly is a non-traditional student. So, um, generally speaking, a traditional student is one who is making the jump from high school to college within a one to two year gap. Um, the, the, the range there kind of depends on the college that you're referring to um, but generally speaking it's one to two years. So um, if you took a gap year or if um, you know you, you spent some time not in school for whatever reason and you get to college you would be considered a non-traditional student um, in most institutions non-traditional only affects um, sort of like it affects conversations of on-campus housing it affects conversations of um, well community for the sake of this podcast Um, it affects nothing to do with um, admittance or anything similar to that so um, just to be super clear um, non-traditional students from the perspective of the business office are the same exact as um, traditional students now um, obviously for the purposes of this conversation we are going to be addressing the Uh, community concerns of a non-traditional student. And so this is another example of one of those podcasts that's perhaps a little bit more um, geared toward a specific audience. Um, those of you who have been with us for a while, you'll remember that um, this summer, I'm trying to make the subject matters um, kind of applicable to to life in general, not just to college admissions. Um, but this is that th- there are several of these subjects that are um, a little bit more difficult to do that with. This is one of them. Um, there are, applications here and there, but I'm not going to be cherry-picking them. Um, I'm going to just speak um, forwardly to, to those of you who are considering going into college, who are um, what we would consider non-traditional students, um, and who are uh, interested in being connected to the community of the college. But are maybe a little concerned that that age gap might be a uh, a stumbling block. And so, um, I'm going to talk a couple of uh, about a couple of different things. Um, but in general, that is who I'm talking to. So, um, to to jump off jump straight into it, um, the thing that is most important for you as a non-traditional student to understand is that in most every community, you're welcome. Um, you are welcome to be a part of that community. Um, I know that for for our context specifically, for Boise Bible College, um, some of the most outstanding students that I have gotten to interact with over the course of my tenure here at the school, both as a student and as an employee, have been non-traditional students. Um, and so uh don't don't think and, and and by the way, when I say outstanding students, I mean that specifically, yes, they were good academic students, but man, they poured into the community and the community poured into them um sometimes more effectively than than traditional students do. Um and so just speaking from experience, you are welcome to be a part of the group. You know, there's a there's a seat at the table for you. Um, you just have to be willing to accept it. And so um, that is oftentimes I've noticed sort of the, the, the most difficult part is the accepting it part. Um, now I, I can't speak necessarily um, from experience on that. Um, I went straight from high school to college and so um, I, I don't know what it is specifically from my, my life experience. Um, but I can I can speak to the experience of the people that I've I've spoken to. But um so one of the one of the issues that does come up is let's say you're a non-traditional student and you have uh children or you have a family at home and college is something that you're doing um more or less on the side. Um so like for traditional students who are living on campus, uh college is what you do. Um you know, on job applications, there is an entire category of you know work experience where it's I wasn't working, but I was a student. And so that counts for for employment history because lots of places want to see employment history for the last five, seven, ten years. Um, and so obviously, being a college student for for traditional students is the thing. Um, But for for you non-traditionals, college is a thing. It's something you do, not what you do. And so that balance act is difficult um, because you've got these two things that are kind of, well, two or more things that are trying to yank on your focus and your attention and your energy. And sometimes it's difficult to um, get involved in the community, such as it is on campus. So I want to talk about um, specifically um, some things that you can do to um, to work your way into that community um, that doesn't necessarily take as much time and effort and energy as you know going to the cafeteria every single day and sitting down and having lunch with the same people although i encourage you to do that because i think it's um an excellent practice and excellent for community building but for those of you who um you know have have family at home and are are not necessarily quite as interested as uh in in the um you know, diving into the depths of it, but still want to be a part of the community. Um, really, there's a couple of different options. Um, the the biggest one are committees. Um, and so, for for Boise Bible College, we have a variety of committees, from the sports committee to the um, the missions committee. It's under it's under a different title, but that title is. Kind of slipping my mind right now, but um the intercultural focused committee. Um the list goes on. Um gosh, when I was a student here, I was I was a part of the media committee, which was just man, it was about making kind of goofy skits and playing them during special chapel sessions. Um <clears throat> and that was that was where I met a couple of the, those outstanding non-traditional students that I spoke of earlier um, was in those committees. And it gave them an opportunity to be a part of the community, a part of the culture of the campus without having to be an on-ca- in, you know, in on-campus housing or um, you know go to meals every single day or, or whatever. It gave them an opportunity to get plugged in somewhere. Um, I think of our committees as kind of similar to church small groups in a way. Um, A lot of bigger churches um, encourage and kind of push a small groups um, model. And that is because once you get to a certain size of church, it is very difficult to maintain um, contact with a wide variety of people and so um, it's easy to kind of blend into a sea of faces, and so they introduce small groups so that there is the small group kind of functions as the, the micro church family within the macro church body. Um, and so I think of our, um, our committees as very similar to that. They are all a part of the college, but they give the individual student an opportunity to be connected to the college in a more personal, um, you know, micro level than being a part of this big sea of faces. And so, you know, whether you're attending Boise Bible College or community college or a university, or whatever, I would encourage you, um, oh non traditional student, to look into those committees. Um, they're an opportunity for you to get plugged into a community without having to immerse yourself in that community. Um, and that can be a way where you can kind of protect your, your, your precious energy um, so you can give it to the things that demand it later on. Um, and so that's number one. Number two is similar to it, um, but a little bit more focused on the academics side of things. The committees tend to be um, academics adjacent, um, and so you know, similar to academics alongside it, but not connected to it. Um, the second thing, study groups. Um, class specific study groups. Um, I know that for for the sake of for the sake of grades, study groups are a great idea. Um, I, consistently got better grades on assignments and tests and whatnot when I studied in a group setting. Um, there's a lot of science and studies that have been done that kind of prove the efficacy of group study and group think and all that stuff. Not going to get into the specifics of that, but um, there's a lot of proof to show that studying in a group improves grades, but also um, for the purposes of our conversation, studying in a group, man, is just an, a great opportunity to connect with people. Um, there, not not for nothing, um, is is there this this sort of adage that uh, going to war together makes someone your 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 family. Um, going through difficult trials in life. Um, creates bonds between people that don't get broken very easily. Now, I am not saying that college is uh equal to war or, you know, major life struggles, things like that. That's not what I'm saying. Um what I am saying is that college is difficult. Is it the most difficult thing in the world? Is it as difficult as those other things? No but it is difficult. Going through those, those challenges, um, those academic challenges with a group of people cannot help but create uh, community between those people. And so as you're going into your, your academics, um, I encourage you to, in your classes, find a small group of people, two, three, maybe four more people other than yourself and make a group with them. Um, study with them. Do assignments together. Do uh, test prep together. Um, again, it cannot help but help. Uh, it cannot help but assist in the the formation of that community. Um, but those are the two. Those are the two biggest uh, pieces of advice that I can give. Um, but ultimately, it, it comes down to a, a willingness and a desire to be a part of something. Um, and I'm not going to, I'm not going to preach and lecture on that, but that is the, the formation that is the, the, the basis and the, the, um, the push towards it. So, um, for the sake of transition and for the sake of time, I'm going to move into our, um, repetitious, uh, segment, which is where we answer a, A question from the community this week, it's got a little bit of a different flavor um, than the conversation that we've been having. It's um, simply, what are the cleaning requirements on campus? Which is a really good question, especially in the context of uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, which has obviously sort of changed our cleaning requirements and whatnot. And so just to talk about this briefly, I have alluded to room checks a number of times throughout the summer. Um, and so room checks uh, happen once a week on campus. Um, they are exactly what they sound like. Um, one of the RAs, the resident assistants, um, comes through the, the dorm rooms and uh, they check the rooms. They make sure that everything is clean and tidy and, and organized and whatnot. Um, and, and so it's, it's important for me to explain why they do this. Um, not only just what they do, but why they do it. And so, um, like I said, room checks are exactly what they sound like. But the purpose behind them is not that we want to um, run a... a you know, totalitarian dictatorship, where we're yeah, you know, our thumb is on everything, and everything has to look a certain way and this, that and the other thing., um, really, the purpose behind it is that uh, there are bound to be people who are more comfortable in cleanliness than they are in filth and squalor. Um, obviously, those are, those are kind of emotionally charged words, but, but you get what I mean. Um, they're more comfortable when things are clean than when they are dirty. And so Room Checks gives those people an assurance that there will be at least one or two days of the week where their room is going, that the, the dorm room as a whole is going to be organized, straightened up, cleaned, that sort of thing. Um, also, it's a lot easier to do general upkeep than it is to do, um, you know, massive spring cleaning. And so um, we we do these room checks so that um, a things don't begin to break down due to clutter. B so that people have um, you know an opportunity to 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 live in cleanliness and whatnot. Um, and so those are those are the reasons why now. To speak specifically towards the requirements, um, your room needs to be clean. <laughs> um, that includes um, dishes done, bathroom cleaned, vacuumed, um, you know, beds made, all that sort of stuff. Um, again, it's once a week. Pass, and you're you're good to go. Moving on to the next week. But the thing I want to emphasize is that they are not onerous. It's not like you're you're getting um, a firm slap on the wrist if you're not, you know, if your room isn't perfect. Um, it's just a requirement of making sure that the place that you're living in, um, that you're you're caring for it. Again, these these dorm rooms are um, more or less rented out to students. They're not owned by the students, and so it's it's about you know it's respect for the space, respect for your roommates, that sort of thing. And so those are the cleaning requirements uh, here at Boise Bible College. Uh, That is all the time that we have for today. So as always, I would like to encourage you to come back next week where we tackle another conversation. God bless. Have a great week.